Hey, what's going on, crew? This is Brandon Gredler, and you are now listening to Cocktails and Questions. Back at it again in the Garden Grove with episode 22. We talked about all sorts of stuff, including happy tax day to you all out there. We talked about Takeshi69, Adrian Broner, Taylor Swift, also our friend Mark Zuckerberg, and uh, his cushion that he used to <laughs> say some things to some very important people that probably didn't understand the words that were coming out of his mouth. Hopefully understand the words that are coming out of our mouths because it was a fun one. So do me a favor, rate, review, subscribe, do all the things that help us keep a, keep doing this thing that we're doing. We're having a lot of fun. We're actually throwing a party for the new studio that we just built here in the Garden Grove. So enjoy it, man. Tune in, drink up. This is Cocktails and Questions. All right, welcome back. Um, I say this every time, but it has been a while since I've been in the room with each of you. It's because you got food poisoning you got and so we're sick. a shell of a man for the last but you know five what? Actually, days. You didn't lose any weight, which isn't that the whole point of getting food poisoning? That's not true. I have a great, I have a the great same. scale. Well, thanks for noticing. I have a great scale from my friends at Vita Goods that measures body fat, water density, bone density. And you have none. <laughs> they all read zero right yeah. now. But I, I'm, I'm slowly crawling back. Um, but since we have been in the room, the tax man cometh. Oh. Ouch. So you guys. Did all right? Did yep. you pull a Wesley Snipes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it here. Yeah, that's right. You mean what like a rising sun Wesley about. Snipes or a white man can't jump Wesley Snipes? Uh, more of like a blade. Oh, Wesley blade Snipes. Trinity. Yes, yeah. I do that. Um, Kendrick Lamar won a Pulitzer, Pulitzer. Prize, which is Isn't that amazing? Bravo. Not, not what I would have thought. I right. think the guy's that pretty soulful. That was not one of my predic- predictions for 2018. It but wasn't, mm-hmm. but it makes total sense when you think about it. I'm uh, super proud of that. Um, and then, true to form of the podcast, look to the news, the Facebook hearings <laughs> happened. So a couple of weeks ago, we sat in this very room, and we were like, I don't understand what the big deal is. Two weeks later, Congress said, it is a big fucking deal, and you need to come down here and you need to explain to us what's going on. And two but things. they also don't understand why it's a big deal. Two things came out of that that were just crushed me. One is the booster seat. Can I say, he looked <laughs> like he was at the child's table <laughs> yeah. at a dinner party. That it was a three or four inch booster seat. So, and was it was it a height or was it like he's just like he knows he's going to be thing. there for forever and he wants to be comfortable? No, it, it, it was a height thing because they showed everybody else's uh, cushions that they'd put that they, they'd used in previous hearings. Why not just bring and your own was fucking chair? A lot bigger, right? It, like the yeah. PR is a power play. Terrible. Yeah. And then the other thing, aside from when he mentioned cookies, was uh, the we sell ads, sir. Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, that's gonna go down. On more than one occasion, he referred to it as the Facebook, and I could only assume that's because he was talking to octogenarians yeah. who also call it the Facebook. Well, watching him navigate through that was really uncomfortable, man. But behind that's like a really big deal, right? Um, since then, every meme has been made possible. We're talking about it in the halls. It's it's all over the place, proving that we may or may not have been correct in saying what's the big deal because it is a big deal to the point that one of the things that they're talking about is actually charging people. Right? How are they going to make up for this? And I think the price point that's floated is $11. Oh, God. Yeah, right. so Sheryl Sandberg um, has been talking about this, and, and one of the big questions that came up in, the, in his testimony was how they make money and how, they, how could they actually make money if they're not selling people's data, which shows <laughs> just a complete misunderstanding of the model and led to that, we sell ads, sir. That's how, we, that's how we're in business, which mm-hmm. is just mind-blowing. But anyway... The 
one of the things that's been floated out is that there's a potential for a paid Facebook. So um, Facebook made about $84 per user last year. They're going to experience about 35% growth this year, and that comes down to about $113, $115 per user per year, which actually puts them in a pretty sweet spot for paid subscription services in the like 9 to $11 range, right. which means you know they could roll out a Netflix-like model where for $9.95 or $11.95, you get an ad-free Facebook, which I think is an absolute terrible idea because, I, I mean, I guess some people would pay for that, but... I just I can't imagine that people are going to shell out over one hundred and twenty dollars a year for Facebook. But what does it not in its current? But does it solve form? the privacy? So I I actually almost agree with the ad free model because shit's annoying. Instagram's got a one in one in every six posts is sponsored. Like it, it's laborious, right? It's habitual and all that shit. But like, did they say anything about what they will or won't do with your data if you pay that much? So th- all they've said is ad free. But okay. you have to imagine that there would be some sort of ability to own your data. And to your point, James, I think if you, you can't just give Facebook as it is to people and say, oh, by the way, pay 11 bucks. You're going to see... The, I mean, <laughs> the world's most be, expensive birthday calendar reminder. Exactly. But, <laughs> but if you added something else, some sort of premium feature, I mean, that, that is the freemium model, right? You have yep. to give an additional set of experiences or features for, to, to get somebody to transition. I think the challenge, though, is that people are... Uh, people use Facebook, a vast majority of them, because they're bored, right? Because they're just killing time. And I'm not going to pay to kill time. And what they're going to end up with is they're going to end up with two very different audiences, which I think is pretty challenging for you. Well, you think about it. like what, So if, if, if I'm an entrepreneur, I'm dying for this because all I'm going to go do is invent the free version of what they just did and capitalize on that. If, if Facebook does think that there's a market for some sort of paid version then I'm just going to go and create a lower cost alternative. And they, they, this is but how non-starter. would you make money? How would you possibly make money, sir? The other thing too, and I think you rightly pointed out, they, they said an ad-free version, but they didn't say a, a data-protected version. So you know, in, in reality, Facebook's just looking to, you know, they're going to re-monetize that on the back end by selling your data probably more vigorously than they already were. So I saw... I saw um, in the, in the world of interesting graphics and bar charts and whatnot, it showed the um, essentially the steep decline after the Cambridge Analytica um, leading up to the hearings, then post hearings about the massive distrust, right? And so it was hovering around like 80, uh, north of 85% of people trusted Facebook with their data, fell off a cliff, cliff it's down, down below 20% and even less now after the hearings. And one of the things I keep thinking about is, 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 this, is this it? Could this possibly be it? Or is it the classic, like, too big to fail? Be it. What's that? You mean it, like the end of Facebook? Yeah, yeah. right? So if I, look, if I look at the decline and I look at who's using it, and then you look at the rise of these other networks, right? And if, you're mil- if your average user base is going to die within the next 25 years, right, and it's no longer cool or socially acceptable to use this network, and I don't trust you, and the layout's lame, and all you do is blast ads at me, what 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 comes next? Right? No, I and I think you know in the other part of it too. I, I think it, it, this is like a Tom Wolf novel. Right? I don't know if you guys have read any of his books, but like all the parties are guilty in his books. And I think about what I'm hearing, and I think it's so disingenuous. We've talked about this 
in the past, Ben, you brought it up, this whole notion, like people are, like they know, everybody knows the deal, everybody knows why they're getting Facebook for free, whether or not they can articulate it in a business statement means nothing. Everybody's like, you know what, yeah, I get Facebook for free, they're gonna serve me the ads, and on top of it, they're probably gonna sell my data, no big deal. So for people to be all up in arms after this Cambridge Analytica thing is a little disingenuous, and on top of it, I think it's a little bit bedwetting. The, the thing I think about is what it is actually distracting from. I don't know if you guys have read up on Palantir, Peter, Peter Thiel's yeah. little system that he designed for uh, the CIA and the NSA. That's the shit people should be worried about, right? Not whether or not sure. Facebook is being light with a couple of heavy Excel spreadsheets with their address and no real pertinent information on it. But I, I wonder how many people know that that's the backstory. Of Palantir? No, of Cambridge Analytica. Why was he there, right? So people hear things. Yeah, exactly right. So uh, that's hilarious. Um, we're just looking at a Bloomberg article about Palantir, and it's a giant, um, nauseating giffy of uh, pop ups. And it's, it's Palantir, Palantir that's what should frighten you, you right? Yeah, the you fact that the government lets this shit on the loose. But let's go, it, that's, go that's Google Palantir and check out what they're that's yeah. too doing. Deep, though, right? Like we're talking about very surface level, broad stroke America. Like you go to somebody, you're like, "Hey, Facebook's selling your shit." They're gonna freak out. You go to uh, you go. You should really be worried about Palantir. They're gonna say Palin what? It doesn't matter, right? And and I look at it. I, but should they I, be freaked out, right? I mean, like the worst mind, thing that's no. gonna happen is they're gonna sell me another white shirt, right? They're, yep. I mean, like you know, I mean, <laughs> for those of you, you can, who don't know, he wears the same white yeah. shirt every day. So, I mean, no, it, he wears different white yeah. shirts made by the same people. That's, that's true. true. Fair enough. A good sure. distinction. The same looking then. white I shirt. Saved you on that one. So, but. But that, I mean, you could say that there was the meddling in the elections and that, you know, they're starting to like move the masses and create fake news and all those things. But really, most of what we're talking about here is they're targeting you with a different piece of clothing or some stupid subscription service that you should buy, you know, that sends you. Uh, the, the one I get all the time is like, you can get t-shirts, underwear, and socks for $9.99. <laughs> I'm like, why would I need that every month? Or maybe I do. Maybe I don't know. Do. They know me better than maybe i know myself but that like that to me is is the challenge with this whole thing which is we're up in arms about something that people don't understand and that it's really not that bad that everyone opted in for like they what I think is interesting is it does force the discussion on a newer business model, which I find yep. fascinating. I don't know if you guys saw or not, but there's been a couple of releases, um, which is uh, validating something we've talked about, which is the whole idea of auto subscription model. Um, and Mercedes came out and think BMW as well. Mercedes is a total monster. I think it's like $3,000 a month or something like that. But um, they have subscription models to their cars to you have an app and you say, oh, well, I, I need a car. It's sort of like a silver car, but like from an actual OEM. Um, Volvo just came out with the same thing. And I look at that and I'm like, that's when it's kind of cool because these are things that we've talked about, like this whole idea of autonomous cars. I think this is a transitional point into autonomous cars, which is, you know, the whole idea of changing the sense of ownership before you change the sense of drivership. Um, have you guys seen this? Yeah. Cadillac has a, an ex a similar experience, you know, where you can have a Cadillac for a month and then trade it in for something. I think else. that was like 1500 bucks. A yeah. Month or yeah. I mean, it, you know, I don't, it's not, it's not uh, monetarily probably the best investment right now, but if you're somebody who wants something new or whose preferred mode of transportation changes, it makes a lot of sense. But I think that that's right. The business model is what's going to shift. Facebook's business model will have to shift because they're not going to get away with what they did today. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think a lot of companies are being disrupted and should be looking to this as the opportunity to build an entirely new business model. So Facebook could go out of business yep. 
And this could be this network effect where if I get off Facebook and you get off Facebook, it's less valuable for our friends. Or it could be the pivot because one of the things that um, one of the guys from Pivotal uh, Research or Pivotal Analytics, I can't remember what the analyst firm is, um, was talking about Facebook rolls out a, um, a paid model. There's only going to be like 10% of people who actually pay for that. That's actually all incremental revenue because advertisers are still going to pay to get the other That's 90%. Right. And so it could be a boon for them. I don't know. What do you yeah. Think? I mean, I think you're correct with that. I, I'm more interested in the amount of people that will, that will fork it over, right? Because when I think about the, a, a price point in order to do, like, if they started to charge me $11 a month, it's not a big deal. I won't feel it, fortunately, right? I've worked to a point where I don't feel $11 a month. Great. But I also don't give a shit about Facebook. But what I do give a shit about, is about business models is I, I'm close to some of the, the people who have built entire companies off the back of Facebook, which nobody's yeah. talking about, right? We're talking about probably some total o- over billions of dollars that have been raised on people that are building on top of their platform that are now immediately shut off, right? Yeah. Look at QBU. Yep. Q- all of them. Oh, that right? hurt. That yeah. hurt. Dude, cr- uh, NetBase, um, Crimson Hexagon. Yep. Um, all of these people that have not only like employ a ton of people and make a lot of money, but have also borrowed a lot of people's money in order to make this shit happen, now have no way to actually employ these people, pay money back, and they're just sitting on entire office buildings. But don't you kind of know that? Like, if you're the owner of one of these companies, if you're the proprietor or manager, you're sitting here like, Please, please, Mark, please, Mark, please, Mark. Don't, I think don't if you're the up, owner, you do. Up. But I think if you're an excited undergrad that's just like super into social media and data analytics, you're just excited to go work for a company and you don't care how they got the financing to pay your so I also think it's a, it's, a, it's a timing thing, right? So yeah. you're going to jump onto an industry that's as hot as possible, raise as much money, grow, and try to get out before they screw you. That's right. It's like the Google algorithm change. I mean, the second that that changes, there are whole businesses that go out of, that just disappear. I mean, look at the publishing industry with the Google, with right. Google's latest update. Um, look at all the SEO firms. Look at just the content farms. Yeah, yeah it, I think it's, it's crazy to build your business model around that. And I say that as the owner of a company who's built a lot, a lot of business of around yeah. social media, right? I think the challenge is you have to really understand where the consumers are going to go next, and you can't be tied specifically to something like Facebook. That's right. You're essentially, you're in control of somebody else, right? And, and the one thing that we try to do is always be in control of what we're doing. Right? We've never really been beholden to the platform's rules and, and regulations. But the second that somebody decides to cut your lifeline off, like you're fucked, which is, I think... Two reasons. One, why you hardly ever see original founders stick around past a Series B, right? But it's also why people are still raising Series D. Oh, I always wonder. Right? Especially it's when like, Se- have you not figured like, this out like, yet? You know who I really feel bad for in Series D is the angel investor. Because <laughs> they're like, delusion, delusion, delusion. Like, by the way, honey, I just keep getting on the angel. I'm just not, we're not going to retire. So we talked about augmentation for Facebook. We talked about the the dudes and the dudettes that are going to have to figure out the augmentation of their companies that built on top of their platform. We talked, we also talked about automobile subscriptions as new business models, right? Is there anything else that we're thinking about um, either inside of the umbrella of subscription or outside? Now I that think we're the new, new business, business model idea is fascinating because of what is available now and the way that people's mindsets, people are just, they're so used to being able to push a button and get anything and in the past, subscription hasn't meant that. It's meant you signed up for something and you committed to it 
it came to you, but you didn't have that much control over it. I think the idea of subscription and on-demand service is really interesting. The car is a good example. I think you've seen that with clothing. I think you've seen that with all sorts of uh, industries that we didn't think about. I'm, I'm interested in like what comes next. You know, the idea I love is like, why do you own a home? Everybody talks about uh, your car is not used, what, 97% of the time? Sits in the garage. Like that. Yeah. It just sits in the garage. How often is your home mm-hmm. sitting there without anybody in it? Fractional um, personal monetization. There you go. What is, what is that? So that is a term I just came up with in my head to express <laughs> so what you're talking about. We call about. those lanyanisms. I, I, I would love to say that I ripped that out of something like um, MIT management review or some shit like that. But They'll um, probably No, but this. you think about it. So the idea that I really want to make happen, and it won't happen in my lifetime because it's a terrible idea, but um, oftentimes I run out of garbage can space. And so in my fantasy land... Right when I've got like too much shit after a home project or whatever, and on Tuesday night when I got to go out and take my garbage out, and I actually have to go and sneak over to one of my nice friendly neighbors and see if their garbage cans empty and stuff shit in there. What if we had smart garbage cans? And what if I actually knew who had how much space, and we could go and create a little economy whereby I can actually go and garner credits back and forth? Like, hey Tom, I'm gonna actually go and borrow a quarter of your garbage can this week and I'm gonna credit you back. So in the future, when I have a quarter of mine, you need it. We created a sort of currency out of it, right? Blockchain-based garbage Yeah, I think you can create demand. a currency out yeah. of almost anything. And I think about that. Now, in reality, there is, to your point, Brandon, probably somebody will go out and try and engineer a smart garbage can and, and fail horribly. But the idea has legs in and of the idea that you can create a market out of your own personal belongings, right? That, to your point with the car. The car substantiates that. The car sits there idle all day long. It could be not only paying itself, it could be personal business for you. Like even it could be like a smart chauffeur, like driving people around my town. My brother has a, my brother uses Toro. He has a truck and he rents it out all mm-hmm. the time. And it more than pays for what it costs the truck. And it's all the time when he's not using what, it. What what is Toro? Toro is just a it's a service. It's it's like Uber, except you can just put your truck uh, on the platform and people can come by, reserve it. They pick it up at your house. They use it, pay you for the amount mm-hmm. of time they use it, and then they bring it back. It's pretty nice. great. The one thing I want to make sure that we did not miss, and we actually have it on tape, is the fact that James Lanyon yeah. is stealing space in his neighbor's right. garbage can. They already know. They know. They know. But when you, when Everybody you're, knows. When you're talking, I was thinking about Dumb and Dumber. It's like, just when I think you can't get any dumber, <laughs> you go and totally redeem yourself. Yeah. All right, that, that business model, like the, what'd you call it? The fractional personal, personal fractional monetization. monetization TM. There's something in that. I mean, there's something, there's definitely something in taking the things that you don't use and making them more valuable for everyone. And I think that means people have less stuff. My favorite idea is... Uh, people, the, you you have to be in one place less today. Being physically present isn't as necessary to do work as it used to be. So I love the idea of if I want to live in Colorado for three months and I want to live in New York for three That's months right. and I want to live somewhere else. You know, what if I could have uh, a pod? You know, that I fill up with all my stuff and it moves whenever I move. So my stuff comes with me. I have less of it, but then I've got a place to stay that is bigger than a hotel room. And I subscribe. I mean, what if there's a company that had houses all over the U.S. or all over the world, and I get 12 months worth of stay, and I can pick 12 different locations for 12 months, or I could stay somewhere for a year. Yeah. And so the interesting thing is you can actually go and reverse this whole discussion back into a reinvention of social networks. So social networks right now are just chatter. 
right? They're just a lot of content passing back and forth. Look at this picture of this cute thing or look at this cat meme or whatever it might be. You know, a deeper, richer social network actually could very well be uh, exchange-based. Like you're talking about like, hey, guess what? I actually have a home share social network uh, with very wealthy elites, right? And like, I'm going to go take uh, Peter Thiel's Jackson Hole property for three months and he's going to go Don't and take my, my um, Bonn, Switzerland property for three months at the same time. But that's <clears throat> part of the social value chain. That was just sort of like an idea I had because like Peter and I are tight. <laughs> Apparently, if you're going to take his, never mind. Um, the thing that we were talking about a little bit before was the... Uh, what I call the preemptive subscription, and I know I know that it's not um, it's not outside of the subscription model, but essentially, um, when you look at how go back to Facebook, right? Like everybody knows everything about you, especially my credit card company, right? And and the frustration I was voicing is, you know, James and I talk about all the time how people live their lives in loops, right? And yeah, and they essentially think that they're unique and that all this shit, but they're not, right? You just live in a series of patterns that you either are able to or unable to identify. And anomalies either convert themselves into patterns or they are truly anomaly and they don't happen again. They always revert to the mean. And always. who does know that is my financial institutions, right? Because I use my banks to buy the shit that helps me live my life. And what I would like, they have all the data, put it to work for me, come out, tell me that you have all my data, and then sell me a service that says, we've been watching you for... I've had the same checking account for a long time. I've had the same credit cards forever. And be like, hey, man, did you know that you spend this much money at this rate on these things? And here's the intervals. And so what we're going to do for you at a great rate is we're actually going to send these things to you. Right? We found these patterns and then a simple dashboard, yes, no. Right? And I'm talking everything from like Q-tips to gasoline to my $9.99 on socks, underwear, and T-shirts, whatever the hell. Why would you want socks, underwear, and T-shirts for $9.99? That's like sushi on sale, Right? Who the fuck gas, wants that? gas station sushi? Yeah, it's like, what do you think you're? That's what get? you got sick off of. Yeah, yes, it yeah. is true. It is true. no, but you get what I'm saying, right? They're sitting, they're sitting on this data of me that lets me know how I can live my life, and they can make it better, and they don't. The financial institutions have that. So does Mint. Mint already does that, but they're not around financial products, right? right? I think that they're probably the best position to do that, right? Why couldn't they say, hey, you know what? We could also, we could save you money on your groceries. We could save you money on every single thing that you spend. So if it, Mint does that, I think we actually, actually we, we should get a we, we talked for about like 50 that. million bucks, right? Yeah, you're welcome. We, yeah. we talked Thanks, about that, Mint. though. So seriously, if, if Mint, let's, let's, let's take that Buy a step that further. Sweden. Mint can actually sit there and Switzerland. say, look, I know Ben. He, he, he's going to do this amount of business with you this year, right? So if I can actually use him to do this much more, will you cut him a break? Right? Like this whole idea of like intelligent negotiation based on your existing patterns and creating some sort of like equilibrium between what they want. Because no business will turn away like fixed credited preemptive purchase. And he's like, yeah, I would love to the old, Ben's gonna the do old MRR, that. right? If you will, monthly recurring revenue. That's exactly right. That That's exactly what it wants. Keeping track at right? home with the cocktails and questions, bingo board, <laughs> MRR. Subscription groceries, right? <laughs> like, guess what? I'm going to buy 50. It drives me nuts. I'm going to buy $75 worth of credits per month and it will average out over the course of a year that I, if I spend $900 a year, that's what I spend. And one month I might spend $160 one month I might spend $50 but all averages out over the course because it knows that about you and it can actually go and, and affix that. Well I mean I, so I was thinking about bring this full circle. Yeah. Everything we just talked about Instacart. I was just about talking about that, that, right? So yep. Instacart Yeah, is, but the fuck them, right? So well, they, no. Listen, they <laughs> they, they, they went yeah, they oh, went wow. 
They went focused on one major platform, Whole Foods, yep. which got bought by Amazon. This is exactly what I was saying. Series D. Yep. Right? So yep. the guys... You know, Our friend, friends at H-E-B. Yeah. You know, they're, they're they over there. They're over there, like, trying to raise a, a shitload of money to try to make sure that they're still in business. And they've got access to all of these people's information about what they bought. But I don't, I don't think they're, they're going to get bought by somebody, but they won't make it on their own right now because no. of really everything that we talked about. They're like the perfect example of and this podcast. We may not have been in the room together in a long time, but we still got it because I was thinking about them, yeah. right? And I was, how I got the preemptive subscriptions was I was thinking about Amazon. Why do you make me choose whether or not it's monthly? You know damn well how often I buy these things. Just tell me how long it should be, right? Maybe that's and the then, veneer. <laughs> they're like trying to, they're playing, they're playing coy. It's the behavioral economics thing of, you know, like that's what right. would I actually, does that make me feel uncomfortable? And then I'm going to do it. And then I was thinking about Amazon and I was like, all right, well, they bought uh, Whole Foods. Whole Foods has got now prime delivery in under two hours in certain markets, if not all markets. I know that they do here in Austin. And then our friends over at HEB, God bless HEB, right? They're like the best regional grocer in the United States. And if you feel otherwise, you can write to uh, I don't care at cocktailsandquestions.com. <laughs> and, um, uh, and they bought our friend's favor, which is essentially what it sounds like. People run favors for you. But who got who had it the best in my mind for replenishables out of Amazon favor and Instacart was Instacart because they stored your past purchases and it was literally all you got to do is buy this basket again. Yep. yep. And for some reason they're left out in the cold and it might be to your point, series D, the valuation is too high, too rich. You know, I don't know what happened, but their interface was the best. Yep. Uh, their service outshined everybody. Best and business doesn't always win. I know. And it, it's a bummer, right? Because they got the closest to being like, Hey, you bought this. Whatever last happened time. to TaskRabbit? Is that still around? Oh yeah. Still yeah. Around. But they put together like furniture and, there are people I making. They're doing people a deal making, with them. Yeah, yeah. there are people making like which you know what? Like I mean, of all of the fruity shit that goes IKEA. on in this category, of all of the fruity shit that goes on and all of this, I'm too lazy to blah blah blah. Mean millennial stereotype reinforcing dumbness. The the reality is the IKEA furniture assembly. I was like, you know what? That's a universal fucking truth. Yeah, yep. I mean it's it is a universal truth. And if you're good at it, I'll pay you anything. Mm -hmm. I read something That's today right. that said the Bjergen is harder than the Fjord. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say, man? The Bjergen. <laughs> so I read something today that said that, Can't say that um, it's a family there was a, it was a study around uh, if people were given $40 and they spent, they could spend it on two things. They could spend it on something material or they could spend it on household chores to get somebody else to do it. And the level of happiness for people who spend it on household chores was much higher than those who went and bought something, right? It's That's why TaskRabbit exists. I can't, I can't argue with it, right? There's a, there's at some point, um, dreams and aspirations switch. I was listening to this podcast and they're talking about how at some point in time you'd walk past people on first class and you'd be like, I'm going to work hard so one day I can be in first class. And now you walk by and you're like, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Seinfeld actually has a great bit on that where he talks about how when she used to, they used to have the curtains and then she like, and she closed it and like, maybe if you'd worked a little harder. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I remember at one point, I think I was sometime in my undergrad and I was, you know, I just started a job. I was about to get one or something like that. And I remember my marker of success at the time. I was like, I want to make enough money at one point in time where I can buy furniture that I don't have to assemble. And I saw, I saw that as like, that's the next step, you know? That is like, the next step. On your way to first class tickets, yeah. get that furniture. Man. That's where you start. Yeah, man. Self-assembling furniture. That's, that's the future. 
uh, 3D printing. That gets into 3D printing. So speaking, I want a 3D speaking printing of business gosh. models, man, you're talking about clothes. You're talking about prefab stuff. You're talking about uh, our friends actually in town. will post a link. Actually, a friend of mine um, has the first 3D printed home in Austin, Texas, man. Um, fully wired. They do it in one of those little printers, like a brick at a time, or yeah, yeah it's, it's actually. A, it took a hundred million years. <laughs> yeah. It cost seventy five thousand dollars in the <laughs> plastic. Right. Yeah, there, yes, they did it. It actually it is, cost man. as much as a home and took. Look off. at that! It's actually beautiful too, man. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. really, really well done. I, I really dig it, and uh, and that was going to be my most interesting thing of the week. No, it so. wasn't. That happened like four months ago, man. Yeah, but I just thought about it. So. <laughs> Fuck you for that. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> speaking of uh, our friends and, and doing this, that, and the other and the coolest things in the week, uh, you guys have anything to add on business model augmentation or advancement in the near to? I think we've completely sure. summed up. Great. There's nothing the else. The only thing I'll fucking nail say is a follow-up is I, the reason I think this is yes, good. And. The reason I think this is good. And when Cheryl Sandberg said what she said, the reason my eyebrow, my left eyebrow, not my right, my left is the one where, you know, when it's my right, you know, I'm faking. When it's yep. the left, I'm like, I'm serious. We know. Is because the business model is actually the last point of discussion in a lot of startup ideas. It's not a serious point of discussion for most investments. This whole notion of like, is this a good business idea is less important or gives way to, is this going to get a lot of eyeballs? Can we hockey stick the growth model? So I think the fact that um, we're forcing the business model discussion, even to a degree, is actually a sign of maturity. I think it's great. Agreed. Now, I'm I've noticed that as a sign of maturity in even early stage investments. So I think all three of us are... Um, advisors in some capacity to various organizations, national, local, all sorts of shit. And we see deals all the time. And that was my profession for a little while. And one of the things that I do enjoy is the volume at which people are asking about your business model now. I think Facebook and these Series D companies couldn't be formed today because people are going, yeah, yeah, that's great. How much money do you make right now? Mm-hmm. And then people go, I'm pre-revenue. And you go, oh, so you should say zero. Yeah. <laughs> you should say, I'm actually losing. Don't say pre-revenue. Yeah. I understand what <laughs> right, you're saying. Exactly. Right? And so there is we, an we emphasis have, on business model. And I think what we're seeing is an emphasis on business model, to your point, of a very mature company that ended up actually being the majority of the internet, which is fucking scary. Um, so that's enough with scary stuff. That was fun. Uh, business model augmentation advancement on the back of Mark Zuckerberg sitting on a four-inch cushion. Thanks, Zuck. And Hey, real quick. Get a haircut, uh, <laughs> a, a real one. Don't do it yourself. I think he can afford it. Don't do it yourself. I really do think um, he can afford it. Not after the stock drops. Oh, yeah. Geez. He used to be. Able- Maybe he's going to go full bald like Bezos. Dope. Dude, that guy is looking jacked. Like Dude, he looks like that. Like he I'm pretty like sure beast. that he's close to just revealing himself as the cyborg. Yeah, like, he's gonna like fall, and then you'll see a little rib of skin on his and, cheek, and oh, it turns out there's all like silver metal underneath. Yeah. It was, like you, he and Dave Chappelle and Carrot Top are they're they're, <laughs> they're all like at some like resort in Mexico, just getting juiced up with TRT'd all kinds out. of stuff. I mean, if you actually, I'm gonna actually you go look back. that up and go there. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey. We should go there. Carrot yeah. top. We should go there. Um, Carrot top juice. That was actually my prediction for 2018 that Bezos was going to reveal himself. As a if you remember boy. that he and Elon Musk were going to fly around. That's right. <laughs> yes. skin themselves. Uh, Elon Musk, we need to talk about that. That's a different episode. Um, going batshit crazy, isn't he? Holy shit. Um, real quick before we get out of here, um, coolest thing. I know I took your 3D printed home. Um, again, we'll post to that. That's a friend of ours in town. Uh, you guys should spread the love as well. Uh, coolest thing you've seen this week? Or worst thing, or funniest, oddest? I saw a lot of interesting stuff. So uh, there, there's a SpaceX launch. Um, you know, I think the one, and I probably shouldn't talk about this, but I'll do it anyway. The one that the one that's really interesting, being in our industry, we had a little bit of a uh, an, an issue with the, the the leader of one of the holding companies. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> we, won't, we won't say his name, but everybody knows who he is. Is Sir in front of his name. It just disappeared, and nobody's talking about what actually happened. And it is this, it, it, and this whole movement, Me Too movement, when you know people have been ushered out, nobody's saying what happened, and I'm wondering how long it's going to take for this to come out. You, you like know, it, that, that was my first thought. That, that was my exact first thought. So I actually saw him speak. I, I was like, from here to you, seeing that guy speak at the big data conference for his big data conference about six years ago. And it was a th- treat. I mean, say what you will about him, but the guy, he's a, he's a titan. He's yeah. a modern day titan. I don't know if you ever heard that story about, um, I think it was he bought JWT, and it turns out in the negotiations that he spotted an undervalued building in, in their portfolio that added like something like $40 million to the deal, but he wouldn't let anybody know about it, and he tried to excel. I mean, the guy was a shark. Um, and so I really Thomas appreciate Brown that. Shit. I think, you know, I would, uh, part of me, the more fantasy minded part of me thinks that if you're measured by your competition, it could very well be a minor thing that somebody on the board just finally used to undermine him to yep. try and make a power play. It could be a me too thing as well. But I was reading um, this weekend, it made it sound like it was kind of like a small thing, like a misappropriation of business funds or something yep. like for personal use that somebody finally just use some corporate governance guidelines to get him out. Who knows? But with that much with that much power and that much influence on the industry to just kind of go and vanish in the night, I think it's uh, something's going to come out and it'll be good bad. Hanging out with John McAfee. Be interested. Yeah, that would be if Martin Martin Sorrell and John McAfee Please. had a show about them on an island just doing Gosh. awesome shit. That would Could you imagine? I mean, he's not doing anything right now. Talk about a new are, business model. Right? Yeah. yeah, could you imagine could you imagine Sir Martin Sorrell on Survivor? Like all he would do is boss people around. Right? Like that's all he would, I'm not doing that. There's no, no there's no advantage to me lifting the log. <laughs> Only me directing you to lift the log. So what do you, what do you got, man? Uh, for me this week, it was a toss up. Um, as you guys know, I'm a big backer of science. I like science. And so NASA finally got a new administrator. Um, I, I, I thought it was a real um, coup uh, because if for no other reason that I think NASA has been neglected over the last four to six years. And it's great to see that there's some wind behind it. And space exploration uh, is actually going, getting some uh, Wind behind its sail. Uh, I really like that. But the other part that I thought was really cool is Alexa's got uh, voice templates coming out, which which was a real move towards sort of a no-code DIY, build-your-own-skill sort of thing, um, which I, I think is substantial. I think it was a really bold move. Um, I look at the discussions we have about zero user interface and voice platforms, and there tends to be this belief that I'm just kind of waiting it out by a lot of potential brands or, or uh, people who could be capitalizing on it. And I actually think this this says that it's no, it's actually not only persistent, but it's going to get pretty deep. Kind of like Web was when uh, things like Weebly and WebEx came out. Yeah, I saw that announcement too, and it, it did two things. Uh, it furthered my conspiracy that they just watch what we build inside this building because we've had Alexa skill templates since they released the, the goddamn Alexa. So... Hey, thanks for watching, I guess. Um, and then the other thing, too, if you think all the way back to when we get excited, I think it was maybe episode one, if you can find it, I dare you. 
because you can't. Um, episode always press record. Episode um, one. Yeah, that, that's an and evolved. I said, and I said, or it was episode two or three or something, and I said something along the lines of, "I get excited when people build tools for tools." Yep. Because that's the inflection point where shit starts to take off for me. Um, and so I got very excited. I wrote that down as a possible thing, but you stole that. I stole yours. It's yeah. fine. Um, I got. I, I, I actually have more cool shit that happened this week than I had to say about business model augmentation, but I got to start with a bad thing. Taylor Swift covered Earth, Wind, and Fire September. She touched a classic. What in the act? Have you guys heard this? I can tell on the looks of your face. You're like, how bad could it be? It's that bad. bad. And especially with a song like that, that's like touching Wish You Were Here. Or, I mean, there's just songs that you don't or touch. Or Baby. I mean, you don't touch you that You don't shit. touch that. Don't touch it. You, you don't. Um, that was cool. No, we can't um, touch this. The, also, uh, yeah. uh, the Humpty Dance. Speaking of social networks, the spout between Takashi 6 9 and Adrian Broner. You seen this? Anybody? No? All right. Um, but, <laughs> the, but the... So wait, let me back up just cool a second. When I said I back science, you guys burst into hysterical laughter. But when you just said the <laughs> shit that you said, <laughs> yep. crickets. And I don't think that's I fair just, at all. That was say, totally risible. Saying something like I back science. I do yeah, back science. I feel like oh, bravo, <laughs> bravo, James. I think we we're in the new dark age. I think it's important I back, to I back publicly. Magic and you know you know what I believe <laughs> in. You do. you do back. Magic. I believe in math. Oh, good, good, James. Um, but the coolest thing that I've seen this week is uh, is a is a uh, podcast up. from uh, Business Wars. I've talked about it before, but they released this episode today or, or recently, and it was about the first computer war between, uh, what was it, uh, Univac and IBM, mm-hmm. right? In 1952, the presidential election. Down. It is awesome. And what's really cool is we talk about it a lot. Like people don't, people don't understand that the things that we're talking about today have been around forever. And you go through the waves of artificial intelligence. This was one of the first ones. I actually called it the human brain because they, they thought that people couldn't understand what was happening, right? Eisenhower, Adelaide, Stevenson, right? And they run all these numbers and all this shit, and they're like, oh, this is going to be a tight race. They give it to the machine. The machine's like, landslide. Yep. And they're like, oh, well, we can't report that. So, right, they're like, the computer's clearly clearly wrong, right? You got to do it again. And they got mad at the computer is one thing. Another thing is the live CBS reporters calling the computer a him, which I think in the, in the age of gender appropriation and all this shit. You probably like, thought it was white, too. Now we've got things like Alexa and all this stuff. <laughs> But anyway, the first computer war, Univac versus IBM. It's about a 24-minute podcast. Um, Listen to that after you listen to this. And rate, review, and tell your friends about us in between here and there. So that's it, man. That's the coolest thing I've seen this week. All right. All good. All right. Ben Gaddis, James Lanyon, sound engineer, Austin. uh, Cocktails and questions, man. This has been fun. Episode 22. We will talk to you very soon. Don't forget the back science. Adios. I believe in science. I believe in science. (laughs) I believe in science. (laughs) 